Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone DeRochefort. I'm a video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined today by Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate and traveler to Brazil, which I'm excited to hear about, and Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom and Slack. Now tell us about your trip, Christina. Yeah, so um, it was amazing. I, I spoke at um, a conference called CapiConf, which is a big um, open source and kind of full stack developer conference in Curitiba, uh, Brazil. And that was amazing. And the people I met there were incredible. Um, I told you guys about it as it happened. Like I got into our, our group chat because it was so cool. Um, one of the developers who who gave a presentation, he gave one of the last presentations of the conference. His name is Joselito. He's only 24. And he gave his presentation, which put mine to shame, I should say. Yeah. Um, he created it entirely on um, a, a Sega me- Mega Drive, so a oh. Sega Genesis. So oh. he actually created all of his slides in 16-bit, like in, in, in graphic style. And then he used a Windows 95 virtual machine and um, a, a very kind of obscure app to basically write the code so that he could have each slide come through and and have the right number of colors and 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 the right sizing and then he wrote a custom bootloader to 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 boot it off and it was going off of real hardware like this is they still sell the mega drive in uh brazil because it's 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 a weird backstory thing but in brazil the the genesis one it's like a weird world where like nintendo the switch is big there now but like nintendo isn't really a thing like Uh sega is the thing and so it was, you know, an analog system. It does have an SD card, but he actually booted it off of like a custom ROM and it was connected through like, you know, normal analog AV cables. Um, I it was incredible. I want to meet this person and yeah, I want you would love to, to give, when I win my congressional race, I want to do this in Congress. Yeah. Like boot up my PowerPoint slide on a Sega Genesis on the floor. That is awesome. I oh feel like God. I vaguely remember learning about Brazil's laws about video games. Am I am I misremembering that you're they not, do? You're not, okay, you're so that's not. why the Sega they have Sega and yes. Nintendo is not as popular there Be- because Sega. There's actually a great what are thing the laws? that Ernie. Uh, there, there's a great uh, article that Ernie Smith wrote um, for his TDM newsletter a few years ago about it, kind of going into the details. But the basic thing is that in Brazil, there is huge tariffs on anything that's not manufactured yeah. in the U.S. or yeah. not, not manufactured in Brazil. So, for instance, the original the PS4 until I think last year was insanely expensive. Nine hundred dollars. Um, Nine hundred dollars. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think it would usually be more than that. And now that it's manufactured in Brazil, it's less, but, but it was really expensive. But what Nintendo didn't want to do because they didn't really like to license stuff, Sega was willing to do. So Sega basically was willing to license their name and their hardware and stuff to a company called Tech Toy. And As we know, <laughs> Sega's big on the licensing their brand out. But this was like in the 90s. And so this was before, you know, this is when Sega was still making hardware. And so basically Tech Toy would manufacture the devices in Brazil and they even made some of their own games and some of the games like most of the people were buying pirated games but they were even making some of their own games like there was still original games coming out for the Genesis in well into the 2000s like I think the last officially released game was was a version of like their equivalent of who wants to be a millionaire they released a a 16-bit version of that for the Brazilian market so anyway the whole thing's really interesting I'm gonna find the link and give it to you Simone I actually found the link Okay, yeah. but but uh, but yeah, but but um, it was so funny because I'd read that article, but then Joselito was giving me all the the details 
in first person and, and it was sounded familiar and but he was explaining how all of this worked to me and uh but anyway it was his presentation i don't speak portuguese but he explained what it was after the fact and and um and it seemed you know great and a good use of that but i just thought that was so cool um and i met so many amazing people i also spoke um with, with some people um at a user group in in uh in, in sao paulo and i i spoke um for with, with some um, employees and some other people at Microsoft Brazil, and then there was um, a conference called the Developer Conference in Florianopolis, which is why I stayed a couple of extra days, um, yes. where I interviewed some people and 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 got to see you know more of the country and more of the developer community, and it was awesome. And so, thank you, everyone in Brazil. I so I assume all of this is on Instagram, and people can go and see your wonderful totally journey can. there. I I was enthralled by Facebook all week. I don't you like on Facebook, but I did for you. Christina. I, yeah, Christina, watching your stories, and we're going to get to the the news now. But watching your stories was torture because you posted so much from the airport, and I kept being like, I'm clicking through, like, know, come I on, saw. Christina, come on, Christina. I know you're not in the airport anymore. Post some god photos of the beautiful. I don't know where you are. <laughs> and then I did, but I just and you I did, was, and I, they were very I, good. I, but I have to say, I was in the airport a lot, so <laughs> it was like it was it was it was like a, a twenty hour plus journey to get there. So that's a lot of airport. Okay. So let's talk, speaking of actually Nintendo and Sega, actually, well, mostly <laughs> just Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo, there is an exploit for, exploit for the Switch that was discovered that allows people to play homebrew games on it. And uh, The Verge's uh, deck on this is it's a nightmare scenario for Nintendo. But you know what it is, is like the best thing that's probably ever happened to <laughs> oh my god everyone and, else and, and it's unfixable from from all accounts so this is this is not thank just you like, this is, god like this isn't nintendo's fault this is actually something with nvidia's tegra yep. x1 chip which is what they use for the switch and it's also what they use you know it's similar to what's used in, in the nvidia shield um but yeah there's some sort of exploit that apparently does is not patchable and that's right wonderful. now it's it's um it's a tethered um, I guess jailbreak. I mean, they don't really have any working exploits now, and Brie can talk more about this, but it's kind of like in the old jailbreak for the iPhone days, like the idea would be you would have to do the jailbreak every single time mm-hmm. you boot up the console. So, um, and, and, and getting it into that, that boot up mode can be difficult, but I mean, this is just the first step. Like, to me, I, I feel very confident, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Brie, and also yours, Simone. I want to hear you guys' thoughts, but I feel I feel very confident that in a couple of months, there's going to be like a really easy software like exploit to yeah, hack I think into that this was thing. the general consensus be, is that like and, right and now it's, it's not something that everyone can or like would want to do, but this is step one. It's going to be like when 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 homebrew stuff came to the Wii. No, I think that's dead on. I mean, you look at this; it's basically um, you know it's not patchable by Nintendo. It's using a hardware exploit that's in the GPU itself. Uh, I'm really interested to see if there's going to be legal action between Nintendo and you know Nvidia? this company. Yeah, because it's just it seems like they've really opened them up for liability. People don't remember this because the PSP was such a failure in the United <laughs> yeah. States. But you know, it was really like it was yeah, like you didn't buy games at all. And even to this day, you can go on eBay and find very specific questions about what firmware it is because it's just so ridiculously easy to hack the device and dump games onto it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Nintendo's already planning on a mid uh, revision model. 
Mm -hmm. uh, to basically update this, which makes a lot of sense. I don't think it's going to be as big as the Xbox One uh, X where they're like really fundamentally changing it. I think it's going to be more of a mid-cycle thing. And and, and in all honesty, they probably would have been planning that regardless of this because if you can find a way to make it less expensively, which is usually why you see these sort of mid-cycle, um, uh, you know, refreshes. They look the same, but they're different. Like, for me, I, w- I would kind of go with, if you remember the original Xbox, not the 360, but the original Xbox, the 1.0 version, you could um, solder a couple of points, because I did this to mine, and you could get mm-hmm. it to run Linux. And yeah. on subsequent versions, you could also mod it, but it, it took more time. And But on the outside, they looked identical. And so you literally had to, like, turn over the console and like see what version it was to see you know how easy it was to hack the same thing for uh the original playstation the psx there was the the first version had like a um a, like a um like a serial port on the back that you could connect a pro action replay to and you could then do burn <laughs> games or you could do mod chips whereas subsequent versions that looked the same didn't have that um a parallel port or whatever on the back um even though it had the same physical design so you couldn't mod it that way. Um, people still made mod chips, but again, it was different. And then they had uh, two other designs that were physically different for the PSX. How the heck do you remember all this stuff, Christina? <laughs> I don't know, you guys, because that's how culture. my brain works. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. No, I want to say, like, uh, how like how big an impact do you think this is going to have? Because you have a Switch, too, right? Yeah. I mean... Am I wrong to think most of the audience for the Switch is just, I don't know, more law-abiding maybe than an average Vita person? I mean, I even if this were very easy to get games, I just, you know, like Nintendo games are generally only $50 anyway. So I, I, I don't see this really, I don't see Nintendo really competing in the same hardcore space no. as like the PS4. So, I, I definitely agree with yeah. that. And I, I, it makes me kind of want to look up demographics of Switch owners because I, I know that even, say, for myself, even if I even if I were a, a, a vile pirate, this isn't something that I personally have interest in doing with my own Switch just because it, I'm, I don't I It seems very, like a lot of trouble. Um, yeah. And it's no, not like I have a bunch of like app games on like chips or something that I would want to play on it. I don't have any like. Now, what if you could back up your save data? Oh, my Ooh, God. Oh, OK. Oh, oh because okay. because 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 for me. The piracy isn't even the um, the appeal because, like, at this point, I'm I'm so old that like it's just easier to buy it. Um, and also, you know, part of the reason why I think piracy was big on the Vita and and on the original Xbox when you could kind of copy ROMs and things like that was because if you wanted to get certain titles, it was hard to do. You know, you had to actually go to the store. Now you can just either you know download it or you know it's easy enough to get. Like Amazon has same day delivery like everywhere. Um, but if I could back up save data, that would be huge. And, that is and when huge. I think and when I think about, you know, the Wii, and obviously they made a lot of patches to the Wii over the years, but like the homebrew market on the Wii was pretty significant and you could do really cool things to it. And that to me is kind of exciting. And that's kind of what we saw with with the jailbreak community and iOS as well. Obviously it yeah. was used significantly for piracy, but it was also used for people to write their own programs and, and the the very first apps actually were were done for that. And so I could yep. see you know, people doing that. And I mean, already people are talking about this 
is is way potent. You know, like there's no proof that this could happen. But for, you could you could theoretically see since uh, you know it's just like Linux that's running on this thing that this might be a way we could get Netflix on. The, Honestly, like the the idea the of having other apps or like stuff that people had made running on the switch. Like that was the first thing that come came to my head when I read about this. And that's really cool to me. Like the idea of adapting apps like Netflix or maybe, I don't know, people making their own stuff and having it run on the switch is super cool. And for me, the other thing would be like save data, like you said, but then just because I want every game to run on the switch. And obviously like nobody's going to, do this and then make God of War run on the Switch or whatever. But, <laughs> right. But I I like the idea of kind of opening that door to letting people see what they can make run on the Switch in freaking Linux. So, you know, that that's, you know, its own limitation. But um, maybe I'm underestimating the amount of people who want to do vile piracy with this console. But uh, for- you're probably maybe a little bit. But I also feel like this is this is Nintendo is really lucky that this is a unique enough product that I think. Maybe I'm maybe I'm underestimating things too. I'd love you guys' thoughts. But I feel like the people, like we're, all three of us, are great examples of this. Like we love the Switch so much yep. that I, even if I could get some games for free, I want the platform to succeed. Yeah. And so for me, it's almost kind of like I think even if I were younger and didn't have discretionary income like I do now, I wouldn't. It wouldn't feel the same. I'd be like, okay, but. I, I want companies to continue to make games for this thing, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I, and I also I also feel like because of, of the cost of the system and the accessories and all the other things you can do with it, there are plenty of people who just won't want to be bothered. Um, now, if you can make it super duper easy, that changes things. But I still feel like even if that's the case, I don't feel like this is a nightmare scenario. I feel like, you know, it's, it's a bad security thing, but it's like it's not a nightmare. Like, I don't think that the majority of the people who are obsessing over this thing, you know, a year later... It's, it took a year for, for them to get stock levels so that you can, you know, go and buy one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't feel like people are going to to stop buying games or whatever. I, I think whatever. people will, but I think it will be more of the, like, backup scenario you're listing. Like, I will yeah. absolutely do that because I thought oh, I totally. lost my Switch this week. Oh. I thought I was got to start over on Dragon Age Builders no. and tore my house apart for three days looking Why for do they not have cloud saves? It's, it's 2018. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But the other thing I was going to say is look at the, uh, you know, the 3DS XL, right? Mm-hmm. You can hack this. It's been hackable for a very long time. You can homebrew. You can put any any SNES game you want on it, and that's fine. It's a piece of cake. I don't think that's really impacted the 3DS in a, in a bad way. In fact, I think it's made the ecosystem more interesting. Uh, for yeah, me, I would agree with that. I had a dark period of my life where I was... Um, uh, getting like back alley black market perfect Pokemon with perfect <gasps> mm-hmm. IVs from the internet and uh, paying money for them. And a lot of people will build those, which is very difficult with the help of like a hacked 3DS. So, no, no, you know, totally. I mean, yeah. This is hacker culture, you know? I, I agree. I agree. I mean, um, Andrew Cunningham, uh, formerly of Ars Technica, now at the Wirecutter, wrote a great post actually this week for um, Ars Technica about how to kind of restore your old Game Boy Advance. And um, 
he, you know, was talking a little bit about, you know, getting you know, like SD card, like ROM, you know, uh, uh, cart- carts or whatever things that'll work. So you could, you know, have like you know, different ROM games and stuff. And and that's something I've done to my 3D um, S, um, Excel before too. Isn't so much, it's like, okay, there's, you know, the, the, the fan translated version of Mother 3. Like it came out for GBA in Japan. Fans translated it. I've played it on an emulator, but then I wanted to play it like on my, you know, 3DS. And... I did because I was able to hack it, like you said. Wow. I mean, Chris, but Christina, yeah. I can't believe you're saying this on the show. This is the biggest coincidence. I swear we did not plan this ahead of no, time. No, we didn't. I have been obsessing about the Game Boy Advance lately because, <gasps> like, for me to wind down and get a good night's sleep, I need to just get the frack off Twitter and people <laughs> will not stop emailing me. So I'm like, okay, I'll bring a Game Boy Advance to bed. So I did this massive research to find the perfect way to play GBA uh, advanced games and got this like custom made GBA 101 AP with like this hyper bright screen. <sighs> and one of the games I'm playing through on it right now is a fan uh, translation of Mother 3 uh, <laughs> in the Game Boy Advance slot. And it is so good. It, it is, is so, so good. amazingly good. No, it is so good. I mean, oh. I was like, uh, yeah. See, that's like, these so are the funny. scenarios that I, I associate with this. This exploit more so than just like pirating all of the <laughs> Nintendo's. <laughs> oh yeah, no, totally. I mean, look, make no mistake. If they don't give us a virtual console soon, now the yep. longer Nintendo wait. No, honestly, maybe that's there a good go. thing, right? Like may- maybe go. this will force Nintendo's hand because the, again, that kind of happened on um, on the Wii a little bit. Um, although they were able to you know close a lot of the Wii things, but I remember like early on in the Wii's era, you know, you could get some of the homebrew and and um, uh, emulated stuff uh, fairly easily, and and that happened before virtual console really had everything and so i don't know nintendo use this as an opportunity to bring the entire virtual console catalog that you removed from the wii r.i.p mm-hmm. by the way and the wii u um and bring it all over so that we can actually enjoy those things and, and bring you know um yeah here here br- bring bring WiiWare back as well i mean come on just just give it to us it's the, yeah. the cloud is cheap like if you need to talk to some storage people you have friends nearby in redmond <laughs> you know this episode of Rocket <laughs> is brought to you by our awesome friends over at Pingdom. The reason Pingdom are awesome is because they help you keep your sites and the sites you love online. Pingdom monitor your site so that you don't have to, and they give you real-time feedback so that you know exactly what is going on at all times. Because let's be real, stuff breaks on the internet all the dang time. Every month, Pingdom detects 13 million outages. That is more than 400,000 outages every day. So regardless of whether you have a small website or you're managing a complete infrastructure, it's super important to monitor its availability and performance. You really don't want your site to be down and not know anything about it until somebody sends you a tweet or an email and is like, hey, can't get on your site. And now I hate you forever. You don't want that. That's why you need Pingdom. It's super easy to get started. All all Pingdom needs is the URL that you want to monitor, and they will take care of the rest. And you can take advantage of that right now by going to pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, you use the offer code ROCKET at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. That is, once again, pingdom.com p-i-n-g-d-o-m dot com slash relay fm and offer code rocket 
Thank you so much, Pingdom, for your support of this show and Relay FM. Love them. So good. Maybe Nintendo should use Pingdom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, like, use Pingdom, uh, contact, you know, uh, Azure to get some cloud stuff, have, have backup data, and also go. bring us, you know, virtual console. And in that way, this um, won't be so big of a, as big I, of a deal. I love the idea of someone at Nintendo, like, watching your Microsoft developer <laughs> channel, which has so much Azure content, like, going, how do we make this suck less? Like, <laughs> and they're trying to figure it out. I, I love that. No, I've been trying to figure out a way because of the Labo, um, which which I haven't had a, enough chance to kind of play around with. But like, I want to figure out there's there's got to be an Azure angle in this somewhere, and I'm trying <gasps> oh to figure God. it out so I can like have somebody on my team like who's better at this stuff than me. Like, please build. do yeah. that. I I can't wait for that because that there are so many cool opportunities with the uh, the Labo to make your own stuff. So Nintendo, exactly, you know, open it up, open it up. Uh, the MacBook Pro, speaking of opening things up, uh, Casey Johnson back on the outline. She has written uh, another takedown of the MacBook Pro's keyboard after suffering, I think, one final uh-huh. time with her laptop breaking um, and, and sold it and went back to her 2013 MacBook Pro, which is the one that I have that I will never actually no, I have 2015 and I will never give it up. Uh, it is attached to me now. I don't. What, so what, Brianna? You yes. you are also suffering still with <laughs> the f- the butterfly keys. My my pro machine is a 2013 MacBook Pro, and I will never give it up. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm not buying. I don't have a new one, not because I don't have you know two thousand dollars sitting around, mm-hmm. because like, you know, it's a bad machine. Um, so I, I would say this, like I've told the 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 opera of my uh first twenty um you know twelve inch MacBook uh on Rocket many times. Uh the keyboard failed twice and then the third time I tried to get Apple to replace it. They wanted eight hundred dollars, it was just a real mess. I eventually gave in because I'm a weak person <laughs> yeah. and bought a, a a third gen uh MacBook, twelve inch MacBook. And it's honestly the keyboard to me is a really big step up. It's very clicky. And uh, even though I'm still, you know, eating while I'm using it, uh, I haven't had any like stuck keys yet or, or any failures. So, um, you know, fingers crossed so far, but that wasn't her experience apparently. Yeah, no, I mean, so Casey wrote, you know, the story that kind of went viral last year about how she, um, you know, it was like a very big story where she was like, the only way to fix a piece of dust getting from under your keyboard is to replace the whole chassis and, 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 and it's nuts. And, and so there were a lot of follow-ups and, and since she wrote that article, like I've seen people that I work with where, you know, yes. Okay. So I work at Microsoft and standard issue though on my team is a MacBook pro with touch bar. You can either get a 13 or a 15 inch. So I wow. have, a thir- so I have a surface book, um, or you can get a surface book too, but I have a surface book, the, the, the 2016, the second gen, first gen surface book. And then I also, um, have a, a 2017, 13 inch, um, MacBook pro with touch bar. And that's what most people on my team have. Although, uh, it's. I think more of them have the 15 inch, and and then those of us who have the 13 inch, everybody like looks at us like jealously because it's so much smaller. Um, but I've had a number of coworkers who have had this issue where they've had to bring it in and and get it repaired or have issues with the keyboard or whatever. And um, 
I, I've seen it happen. And I've been kind of concerned of it happening myself. Just uh, when I was traveling, I put it on Twitter and, and it was it was a really funny picture, but I was really concerned with the keyboard, not the ports. Mm-hmm. There was a, um, I had a, like, you know, the Delta gives you like those like cookies, you know, in, in flight. And somehow the, the, the bag of, of cookies like got into my laptop compartment. <sighs> and, you know, I'm, I, I was on four flights uh, coming back um, from Brazil and I went Florianopolis to uh, Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo to Atlanta, Atlanta to um, Seattle and, or sort of three flights. And uh, I guess in that time with the pressurization, um, you know, the bag blew up and then exploded which I didn't know. Oh and my so, God. so, so cut to Monday <laughs> and I'm pulling out both of my laptops out of my bag. And my, my uh, boss, Tim, he's like looking at the side of my laptop. He's like, what's going on with your laptop? You've got stuff in the side and I'm using my service book. And I look in the side and like the ports on the side are completely covered, like full <gasps> of cookie oh, dust. Oh wow. no. And I was like, and at first I was like, oh, do you have termites? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I, I, I was like, nah, it's just cookies. And so I like even like, you know, put my finger up to it and then and tasted the dust to confirm. Um, almost <laughs> made my, my, my coworker Golnaz die of laughter. Uh, like she, I've, never, I've never seen a person laugh as hard in my life. And then I pulled out my MacBook. And sure enough, both of the USB-C ports on that were completely filled with cookie dust too. Oh, and I was like, well no. then. Compressed air, they were dry, it's fine, everything's working fine. But my concern was, okay, even though this is closed, did I get any cookie stuff under the keyboard? Um, mm-hmm. So far, it doesn't seem to be that way. But I, that's like a, a valid concern. And so I even like said on Twitter today, I was like, for me, it's not even a question of like, you know, if, but when. Yeah. Um, because the, the only, you know, people, especially people who use their laptop like a laptop, go figure tend to be, you know, finding this issue more because if you're traveling a lot and, and dust has the ability to get underneath the keyboard, that's not a good thing, especially if the um, Apple solution is to use compressed air in a certain way or to take it into them and then they charge you $500 if you don't have Apple Care or whatever yeah. to replace the keyboard section. I mean, it's just, it's, it's nuts. I, I feel like there's this constant drumbeat of criticism for you know the Apple line of MacBooks. Mm-hmm. Very, very well-deserved, right? Like mm-hmm. Touch Bar has not been really what we're looking for. Um, I think USB-C hasn't really caught on the way that I think Apple really hoped it would. Like the old square port is very much still standard. Totally. Like what, just to be constructive, what are we looking for from Apple that we're not currently getting? Because I have my own thoughts. Like, how can how do you think Apple can turn the MacBook Pro around, Christina? I think that they do need to redesign the keyboard. And yeah. like I said on Twitter, I don't actually mind the lack of travel, and I don't mind the size of the keycaps. And I know mm-hmm. that some people just don't like the keyboard. I actually like the keyboard just fine. Do I wish it had a little more travel? Sure, but I, I actually don't mind typing on it. And and I that goes for either the MacBook or the MacBook Pro. Um, but I do feel like this right now, we have heard enough anecdotal evidence and there have been enough reports of and and as I said on Twitter too, the people who are making these complaints are not Apple haters. These are mm-hmm. people who spend thousands of dollars on Apple products because they are Apple loyalists. Like, you know, uh, Casey Johnson, she went back to using her 2013 MacBook Pro. She also opts to get a MacBook Air for work. She did not get 
a Dell XPS 13 or a Surface Book, you know, like these are people who they would rather use an older MacBook than use something else. Mm -hmm. So it, it, to me, this isn't like, you know, some people are like, oh, people just want to hate on Apple and whatever. Like, I don't actually think that's the case this time. I actually think it's like, this is a real flaw and that they need to figure out a way to make these, you know, whether it's making the keys have more travel, if that's the issue, or making it easier to get dust out, doing something, or, you know, making it easier to replace. I don't know what the engineering requirement will be, but the keyboard needs to be redesigned. I feel like that, to me, like, is is number one. I think the touch bar, you know, hasn't really been useful. Um, I use Better Touch Tool, which is a third-party app, and it's like $4, and you can customize it to do some pretty neat things. Um, but you've got to have it kind of running in the background, and, and it can, you know... Uh, slow down your back or not slow down things, but it can, you know, take up battery life and whatnot. Um, I feel like I miss MagSafe a lot. Like that's one thing that yeah. in a perfect world, yeah. I would love to come back because that's something that saved me many times. And I also have to say like using a service book, one of the things I really like about the service book is it has this dock connector which is a kind of like MagSafe. It has like a magnetic thing that'll work as power. But what's neat about it is they also offer a dock that will give you, you know, HDMI or DisplayPort or for the new one, USB-C um, and, and Ethernet and other stuff. And so, you know, I feel like that would that would be great. Like if, if there was something like that where MagSafe could also act as in addition to being a power connector, you know, some sort of IO thing. Like that would be really cool. I don't know. Um, when do but, you guys think uh, we'll get a, a full body refresh of the MacBook Pro? I don't know if we will. I mean, for a couple of years, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if they are actively working on doing things to make the keyboards better. And and I think that's not just because of the the user outcry, but because if they really are doing as many repairs and replacements as they have been, then that's yeah. going to cost them a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and, and there have been some reports, although I've seen plenty of people with 2017 models have the issue as well, but there have been, you know, it, it's kind of anecdotally and kind of, you know, off record been, been um, I guess, kind of uh, said that the, the 2017 models um, are, are slightly better or less prone to this than the 2016 models were. But as I said, I, I know people who have 2017 models who've had the issue too. So I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get a full body refresh, to be honest. Um, I don't think they, I don't, I don't know if Apple cares so much about the complaints for, um, you know, not the lack of ports and lack of MagSafe, even though I think it's a problem. What I, what I think though is going to be impossible for them to overcome is if this kind of meme, especially by people who are going out of their way to spend thousands of dollars, a significant premium on a laptop that your keyboard, you know, a speck of dust could put your keyboard out of commission because that makes it not just not a, a pro tool, but not like a work tool. But if, well, if, if the keyboard, the if the yeah. keyboard is so saying. attached to the chassis that they have to replace the entire thing to fix it, how are they going to change the key significantly without changing the whole body? I don't know. I mean, they, I, I, I'm just feeling like they, they probably would make would have to make significant manufacturing changes and, and design changes. I just don't know if they're gonna if they would change the look. Is what I mean. Mm. You know what I mean? So. Okay. And, and, and I, I also feel like even if they did make some changes to the look subtle things, I don't feel like it's a reasonable expectation to say they're going to suddenly bring back full-size ports. I think that that's over. And, and I think that, you know, they're going to bring back MagSafe, um, although I, w- I would love to see some sort of successor. But I feel like, yeah. you know, USB-C is here to stay. That's not going anywhere. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be here. Like This is what I would like to see Apple do with the MacBook line. Um I would love to, I want to see Apple like address what's going on with the keyboard publicly 
And I don't mm. know if that's um, accepting mm-hmm. responsibility for repairs or lowering the cost of repairs like they did with the, um, you know, with the battery and the iPhone. Yep. But they've got to do the right thing with their customers because I'm, I'm far from the only person out there that had a bad experience with that 12-inch MacBook and the keyboard. And I'm, I love Apple. Um, I, I do want to say any keyboard is going to have a certain percentage of failures. So I would be very interested to know Apple's uh, internal like results of what the failure rate was is with the redesigned uh, 12-inch MacBook keyboard, which I believe is the same one in the current uh, MacBook Pro. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. If, I, would love, it, I would love to know yeah, the data, if at all. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, it's anecdotal. They, they said they fixed it because of this failure rate. They changed the design underneath the keys and um, maybe that worked. Maybe it didn't. You know, I have a, a you know, an anecdotal you know, data point of one, which isn't enough. I want to see Apple just get rid of the MacBook pro model without the touch bar. Um, it should, it is not enough value for them to charge hundreds upon hundreds of dollars more for that special model. Um, it's there. It has its uses. Some people like it. It should just be ubiquitous across the MacBook Pro line, exactly like 3D touches. A lot of people don't use that. Just put it there. It's (laughs) something there. If you like it, it's nice. That's great. I also want to see them um, admit that USB-C is not as ubiquitous as maybe we believed it would be. It's, It's doing better. But it's very hard to find USB, you know, C to like certain device cables uh, in 2018. I want to see them put at least one USB 2 uh, port in the MacBook Pro. And, you know, lastly, I want to see Apple really consider doing a, uh, you know, Surface Studio like MacBook. You know, something where you can draw on the screen like you can with the Surface. You know, Christina, you have one. There's a valid work point to having that like you know as an option for how you're going to interface with the machine maybe don't make it the main model maybe you know make it a very premium or a one-off model i don't care but especially as you know mac os is getting closer and closer to ios i just think that's something they need to open themselves Mm -hmm. up to yeah, I would agree with that. And I would say, you know, speaking of the MacBook model without the touch bar, I, I, I agree with you unless they can lower the price significantly and kind of rebrand it as like a new MacBook Air, then I think yeah. it's fine. But but I'm with you because I think right now it's so expensive um, and you're not getting enough power. You're, you're really not hmm. um, for, for how much it costs. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Slack. Slack is a collaboration hub that lets you organize your team's work in easily searchable channels. You can use Slack for projects, interests, teams, or for your office. And when you do, you'll know all the right people are always in the loop and all the relevant information is in one place and that it's super easy for new team members to get up to speed. Slack helps you dramatically reduce the number of emails you need to send send can vouch for that 100% and it helps streamline your team's communication. With Slack, your team can make use of real-time messaging, video and voice calls, group file sharing, searchable archives, all there in one easy-to-use app. Plus, you can use drag-and-drop file sharing that works with apps you already use like Google Drive, Salesforce, Zendesk, 
It's very useful. And Slack works wherever you do. They have mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly so you can pick up where you left off no matter where you are. I use Slack at my work and I also use Slack in my personal life. Uh, and I freaking love it. Same. It It's just, it's very, it was in a really good way to start off working at Polygon because I, I popped on there and I was immediately able to like talk to everyone on my team, even though I was still in Seattle at that point. And then it also exposes me to the wider world of Vox Media, like oh, however many hundreds of people that there are like there are some people that I have not met in real life either because they work remote or just because we our teams don't interact much but I know them from slack um and I think it's it's really cool to have faces and interactions to match with these people that otherwise I might never have met um or maybe I'd meet them eventually but now if I am meeting them for the first time we have this point of reference that we have in common which is super cool um, and also Slack is where the memes live. Slack is also where women in tech have all of our secret oh, yeah. groups. You know? Oh, totally. Like, totally. I don't know how we lived without Slack before then. But you didn't mention the best part, Simone, which is you can program your own Simone bot mm-hmm. through Slack to like drop Simone quotes. So maybe somebody's saying, oh, this weather sure is weird today. And Robo Simone just says, make it weird. This is true. Like, you've got to do that. That's a key selling feature of Slack. You're only allowed to use Slack if you make a Simone bot. And that's that's definitely the rules that I'm laying down right now. Um, and you can find out for yourself by going to slack.com, S-L-A-C-K.com, uh, and check out Slack. Because it is free to check out like for small teams. And then um, there are other larger paid versions that you can also check out if that would be right for your team. But you don't need to, you don't need, you just go check it out. It's super cool. Talk to people that you know because they probably have a Slack group that they're part of where they just hang out and it's probably relevant to your interests. Uh, I I really enjoy Slack quite a lot. And you can be signed into multiple groups at one time. So, I mean, Relay FM, we have our own Slack um, yep. where we coordinate things and stuff gets done. And I can log into that. Like, I can see when I'm logged into Vox Media Slack that the Relay Slack is in the sidebar there. And, oh, I have a DM in that Slack. I'll go check that out and make sure that Mike isn't yelling at me. So it's good. (laughs) Slack.com. Thanks, Slack, for sponsoring this episode of Rocket and Relay FM. I'm taking a drink of water because my throat is closing up. Just like... You you gave it all for your ad read. I did give it all for the ad read. You, you, you interrupted my really good segue, which is, was going to be my throat's closing up. Just like Yahoo is closing the door (sighs) on people who want to sue them in class action lawsuits because (sighs) they are changing their user Uh. arguments so that all disputes will have to be resolved through arbitration. So there's that story done. Thanks for listening to this episode of rocket. Sorry, let me rephrase all of that. So uh, after uh, Yahoo is now part of the whole oath deal and Verizon is basically changing Yahoo's user agreement so that it, you can no longer um, 
da 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 da. You don't have you waive class action rights by using Yahoo services, so you cannot be part of class action lawsuits like the one that Yahoo is in right now after the data breach that happened in 2013. Um, they have not yet announced when the cutoff date is um, for the class action versus arbitration uh, rules. So, I mean, if you have had, if you have a Yahoo account, um, sue them now. Don't sue them. Don't sue them. I didn't, I didn't vouch. I didn't say that. Um, If you have a Yahoo account, obviously you can still join a class action lawsuit if you still care to. But like, what are the larger implications for Verizon doing this? Because it's my understanding that this is already a Verizon thing and now it's a larger oath thing as well. What are the implications for users? (sighs) Well, it's interesting because... Now that, you know, Oath, you know, the, the Yahoo brand is is uh, basically dead, it's been interesting to see um, as, you know, Oath slash Verizon starts to get rid of a lot of bigger um, uh, Yahoo properties. Uh, Polyvore was sold off to some company and its tool was shut down and its community is furious. Uh, Flickr was just sold to SmugMug. Uh, SmugMug is claiming they're not going to do um, anything bad with it. And I actually trust SmugMug to, to be a good steward. I'm kind of waiting for what happens to Tumblr um, because... Mm-hmm. That's like one of the last really kind of big acquisitions that, that you know, Yahoo had, had made that we don't really know what's going to happen to it. But I mean, I think obviously the implications are such that at this point, even though um, I think that the a lot of the damage has been mitigated because everyone's passwords were reset and it was such big news. You know, um, the if you have a Yahoo account, like your password was hacked, like that's yeah. what happened, and and so I feel like you know th- this is just kind of I guess going to stop people from you know saying going forward in the future, being like, okay, I'm not, you know, I had um, a, an issue of. Um, uh, you know, fraud took place because somebody I used the same Yahoo um, password uh, or the same password for my Yahoo account that I used for my bank account, mm-hmm. and, and someone stole my money. You know, so that's going to stop that. And or I guess it could potentially, if more uh, data leaks were found or revealed in the future, it, w- it would prevent um, you know uh, class action stuff. But but to be honest, I want Bree's take on this. Even though I think this is a really gross move from a company like Verizon to do, I kind of don't feel, I don't know what impact, if any, there's going to be mm-hmm. um, on consumers, so to speak. Well, I mean, you know, one of the things I'm running for office on is talking about making companies that are grossly negligent with cybersecurity you know, civilly liable when things like this happen. Right now, if your identity is stolen, and it probably has been, yeah. you, know, you bear the brunt of the cost for your identity theft. You know, there's not really a recourse to go and uh, basically sue them. I am generally against forced arbitration. You know, Susan Fowler mm-hmm. has talked about a lot of the problems with this yeah, over I, at Uber very mm-hmm. eloquently. I agree. Uh, it stops a lot of you know facts from coming to light uh, when these kind of lawsuits come up. Here for a class action lawsuit, right? I mean, Verizon is doing what's best for Verizon, just like they did when they destroyed net neutrality. But is this move good for cybersecurity in the United States? No, it's no, terrible. Of course not. Yeah, it's a terrible precedent. I mean, that being said, like Yahoo somehow isn't the most important breach that we're dealing yeah. with. Yeah, like, that's still uh. Equifax, sadly. So, oh God, we've we've got to change this. We have to. No, I agree with you, and and I think that. I don't like the fact that a company is able to kind of come in unilaterally after they make an acquisition like this and then change things mm-hmm. to stuff that might have taken place before 
the acquisition. You know what I mean? Like, it be, I, I would almost, I would almost feel more comfortable. It still wouldn't be okay, but I would almost feel more comfortable if they were like, okay, going forward, if there's anything that happens under our watch, you can't, you know, uh, uh, you you can't do class action, and you have to go to forced arbitration. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if it was something that that was predicated on um, a security event that that occurred before we took ownership of the company, then you still have the right to go through those other things because, you know, I mean, I still, I think I agree with you. The force arbitration is bad. I'm just trying to kind of be realistic about this. I, you know, I don't know. It's gross. Um, speaking of, of Yahoo, this is sort of related Alibaba who, um, uh, it, or, you know, the Yahoo company that basically owns the Alibaba shares. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the, the one kind of public remaining entity with that name left, they've been fined, I think $37 million. Really? Um, <laughs> Uh, for for the uh, they have to pay thirty seven million dollars uh, in fines because of the data breach hmm. um, of the user accounts and again that, that's like nothing because wow. you know they that that's worth billions um, uh, you know the amount of of shares they had in Alibaba or whatever but th- that 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 came through this week too but yeah I I think it'll be interesting to see um, longer term what happens to the the remaining properties that Yahoo bought um, under Marissa Meyer's um, tenure under oath and and what happens there because all the the potential security things aside like i i am very curious about that so that was when the shoe drops on tumblr like what else was there it was flicker flicker oh i remember when yahoo bought flicker oh my god yeah yeah, that was that. That was like 2005, I think, and Ugh. so that was before Marissa took over. But but what you probably remember is when the they forced the Flickr users to use a Yahoo login. Yep, and that was that was like 10 years ago, and that was a huge, huge uh, ish storm. Um, and Flickr was sold last week to SmugMug for an undisclosed amount. Um, and so eventually, what's going to happen is that <laughs> your Flickr login will finally become decoupled from your Yahoo login. Um, <gasps> Oh my god! But, I wonder yeah. if I'll be able to get into my old Flickr account. <laughs> oh yeah, you should be able to. I mean, they SmugMug is dedicated to to keeping it running, and they kind of don't know what they're going to do with it yet. But they're they're committed to. They even claim they want to try to revive the brand, and I wish them luck with that. Ugh. But I used to pay for SmugMug, and uh, they have a a good service for professional ph- photographers, so I feel like it's a good match. But it's you know, but Polyvore that was the other one I was going to say. Like oh, I think. Yeah. Marissa spent like $300 million in Polyvore in this community and it's gone and they sold it to some other like high-end retailer that like doesn't Yikes. use any of the tools or the community stuff. So if you ever, if you never used Polyvore, it was like this great site, like they had the scrapbooking feature where you could build mood boards and you could basically find products on the Polyvore website and then like build like a mood board that would say, this is my outfit for today or this is, you know, that my That sounds like an advertiser's this. dream. It was, and it was brilliant. People used them for mood boards on Instagram and on Tumblr and on Pinterest. And now it's gone. The tool is dead. And whatever company they sold it to, I think really just one of the Polyvore uh, users' email addresses. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and it's gone. Uh, but no, it's, it's it's it'll be interesting to see what happens to Tumblr. That was the last big one, I mm-hmm. think, in terms of kind of branded. Tumblr things, has but been yeah. feeling like they're in an apocalypse since like 2015, as far as I can remember. Oh, totally. Oh, without a doubt, it's just it, it'll be interesting to see if Oath is like, oh well, yes, we do want the the, the, the youth's eyeballs, or if they're like, screw it, sell it for parts. Oh, <laughs> uh, you I don't know, know they do. Do we want to? Oh, sorry. Well, can I just Final say one thoughts, last yeah. thing before we close out? Bless you. So you know they are doing this forced arbitration through the American uh, Arbitration Society, and you know, like I'm sure the people that work there are good lawyers, and you know, arbitration is a, a tough sub specialty. 
But I just think it's worth noting some of the things that they've done historically. Like when uh, Hurricane Sandy came and destroyed people's homes and properties and insurance companies didn't want to pay them, mm-hmm. uh, it went to this exact group. Uh, you know, you can point to a lot of different things like this, like medical device claims. You know, Verizon is working with them because they are picking, uh, you know, a, a playing field they can win on. So, again, like, something I've learned as I've gotten older is you can always expect powerful institutions to do what's best in their own best interest. And that can happen when a great media organization is facing a union in the workplace Mm -hmm. and they don't want to pay that. Or if a, a certain software company is having a lawsuit with some old versions of their software and they're looking to get paid that could happen to anyone. So like, it could happen in the Democratic Party. It happens all the time. So just, totally. you know, like, it, this is what I expect. I expect Verizon to do what's in Verizon's best interest. I think that just underlines, though, how important it is to have policymakers that are on your side and not Verizon's side, because mm-hmm. that is the only check in the system that can help you. All right. Let's talk about what we're doing this week. Brianna, what are you up to? Oh, Everything. God. I Event, 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 event. Uh, we made enough signatures to go on the ballot, so we're continuing to drive town by town by town uh, to drop those off the town halls uh, to make sure everything is done in person. I've got to go sign some stuff at the Secretary of State's office, and I've got to uh, do a bunch of fundraisers. This is important for Rocket listeners. Mm-hmm. So, Christina and I are going to be at Microsoft yes. Build. Uh, not Ooh. this week, but the week after that. Yep. Um, I'm going to be holding a fundraiser uh, for my campaign. So uh, if you want to know more about that, make sure you're on our mailing list or just send me an email or a tweet. I can make sure you get an invite if you're in Seattle. You know, I'm going to bring a cross. I'm going to bring some holy water so we can see, in fact, if Christina is a vampire. It'll be very <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, you totally should. Well, Do it. I guess it'll be like what Lacroix or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's holy water. I don't. Good know. luck with but, that. Uh, it, it, in, it, in in Seattle, it's definitely holy water. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so that's coming up for us. Very exciting. Christina, what about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting stuff ready for, for Build. So I am executive producing Build Live, which is um, if, if you go to you know the Build website, um, we will be live streaming sessions and keynotes, but there will also be segments in between the sessions um, where we were going to have a lot of content and I'm going to be hosting a lot of that and I'm kind of overseeing the whole thing. I'm currently in the middle of trying to get all that scheduled and, and it's but it's going to be a blast. And, and like, like Bree said, she's going to be there. Um, we're going to try, I think, because we have a podcasting thing, I think we're going to try to do an episode of Rocket from, or at least record yeah. one from Build, oh my God. which will be awesome. That's awesome. Um, and, yeah. and, and we'll have Skype set up, so if you were able to, Simone, we could even like pull you in. But we're going to try to do some recording there um, in addition to what Bree's going to be doing with her fundraiser. And it's going to be great. So, um, you know, uh, stay tuned to like the, the Microsoft Build website for Build Live, which I'll be part of. Um, but me and Bree will both be there. I'm super stoked. And uh, yeah, that'll be, you know, it's May 5th through, or uh, May, se- yeah, May 5th through 7th. So May 5th, 6th, and 7th. Um, so in a week and a half um, as we're recording this. So yeah. I'm super stoked. I'm excited. Nice. We're going to get to hang out, Christina. We are. We're going to get to hang out. I'm so excited. Like um, I want to see oh, your new place. I want to see your yeah, MacBook. Yeah, yeah you can come great. see my MacBook. You can see my new place. Because yeah. my, my apartment's really close to uh, the convention center. So 
um, we'll be able to do that. And no, um, I, I really, uh, my good friend at work, um, Allison, uh, Krug, who's just amazing. Love she's, Love she's, um, purposely like wanted to do reach out for, um, getting, um, uh, like, uh, Groups that aren't represented, mm-hmm. um, you know, women, people of color, um, uh, uh, non-binary, uh, LGBT um, uh, people, people with diverse backgrounds, bring them to build. And so we've got a lot of those, uh, a lot of really cool people coming to build as our guests, which is amazing. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to meeting with with those attendees and developers. Yeah. Um, I, uh, awesome. I don't I don't know if my my speech is part of build or if it's part of, of a separate party or whatever but I do have an event at Microsoft build now yes. helps me put together so I want to tell you it's gonna be freaking awesome it's gonna That's be one great. of the best speeches of my life so I believe I have a few extra tickets so if you know you want to come to any of this my DMs are open my emails open like get in touch with Christina and I Absolutely. Let us know because yeah, it'll, it'll be, I, I don't know if it's going to be like at the convention center, but it is definitely going to be like an event that we're doing at Bill that the Brie will be speaking at, um, which we're super excited about. And yeah. we're, we, we've got some, you know, kind of meetups and luncheons um, around, you know, inclusivity and and things like that. We're actually, uh, Allison is working with this amazing um, nonprofit called um, Unloop, which works with people who, um, you know, used to be in, in jail or in prison and are now learning skills to become developers. And um, we're bringing people from that program to build which is amazing because to me like it's 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 hard enough you know in 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 the um correctional system for people to get educated let alone get modern job skills and this is a startup uh, or not startup a nonprofit in the seattle area that is focused on on getting people in the system um turning them into developers Mm -hmm. which i think is just amazing i'm excited i wish i could be there you should. Yes. Be there. Likewise, we 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 wish we wish you could too, Simone. Next year. Next, Next year, year, maybe. We'll maybe. make a Robo Simone for the Slack and everything. Please do. So we will make a Robo Slo- Just, Simone for the I don't Slack. Put a put like one of the put like a little BB-8 robot up there and pretend it's me, and it'll be just as disruptive as I usually am. So it'll work. Uh, what am I doing this week? I'm going to bed. Uh, the <laughs> we love it. exhibit at the Museum of the Moving Image that we've been working on is oh, finally oh opening this week. Oh my god, I'm so excited week. about yeah. that. I know, I'm so, super excited. I how long, how long working, is it going to be there? Uh, till September. So Okay, good. Yes, okay. if you go to the Museum of the Moving Image in Queens in from Queens, Friday till September, you can see the exhibit uh, on the new forms of is, video Is it in the video game? Uh, no, is it in the video game? I'm uh, explaining is, it, Christina. Sorry, it is the new forms of video entertainment. So YouTube things like vlogs, like reaction videos, like unboxing videos, uh, and what we've done at Polygon is we basically at Let's Plays, Let's Plays. That's super relevant. We made short documentaries, basically not documentary so much as just videos about the history of each of these forums so where (laughs) let's plays came from which was forums that didn't actually have video that was a fun video to make we worked around it but um you know up until today when these are no longer just people entertaining their communities on forums let's plays are now an enormous content driver on YouTube, the largest YouTube channel, which is PewDiePie started as a let's play channel, even though he doesn't do let's plays anymore. Um, they are, they're a huge, I guess, a uh, tentpole of our online culture. And so that's basically what the exhibit is about is looking at these forms of video and, and where they came from and where they are now. No, but I was going to ask, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Is, so I actually went to the, I've been to the Museum of the Moving Image a few times, but I actually was there in February um, when I was held over for a couple of days in the snowstorm. And 
they have um I was there they have like a current like video game kind of exhibit I guess Ooh. on like the, the second floor and I didn't know if it was going to be there or if you knew what part of the museum it was going to be and that's what I, I was don't trying actually to know out. and I've never actually been to uh, Momi before so oh, this you is gonna be my to. first so time good. yeah I'm super excited to actually go now especially now that uh my voice is gonna be in it yeah, I don't know if the Jim Henson exhibit is still open. <gasps> if it is, you have to go because they have on the the third floor where they have a lot of like kind of um, uh, stuff dedicated to to uh, film history. Um, there's a whole section that is dedicated to Jim Henson and um, his family and and uh, you know charity and stuff donated a ton of things from his pre Sesame Street days, the Sesame Street days, the Muppet Show days, things after that. Um, both you know like Muppets on display as well as like videos, and you can even like build your own Muppet. Like it's really cool. So, but that whole museum, honestly, um, for anybody who's listening, it's in Queens. So yeah, you got to go to Queens. Um, got to <laughs> take two trains, but it is so cool. And um, if you go before a certain time. Um, on, on, I think on the weekends, it, it's super cheap. And even if you have to pay, like whatever the, the, the thing is, it's, it's not expensive. It's really a great museum. So in addition to seeing Simone's stuff and voice on display, like there's so much cool stuff. If you're into uh, movies or television, um, just uh, it props, like the making of things, there's just genuinely some of the uh, pieces that have been donated or on um, loan are like tremendous. So it's one of my favorite museums in New York. So I'm, yay, I'm super so, I'm so excited. Stoked for you. Thank you. If you come out, we have to go together and hear my voice. In the meantime, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitter, the Instagrams, etc. And I, I haven't used it as much in the last few days, but I'm trying to use Instagram stories more. I've given up on ever really using Snapchat again. I think I just, yeah, you know, it's dead. Um, it's dead. But, uh, but, uh, but I'm trying to use a, a, a Instagram uh, more. And uh, so, yeah, check me out, film underscore girl. And Brianna, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Space Cat Gal. If you want to support my congressional campaign, you can go to supportbrianna.com. And if you want to come to our fundraiser at Microsoft Build, uh, just shoot me a DM, email me, scream at me, like when you're driving by my house, just whatever. I'll get the <laughs> message. Yay. And you can find me at twitter.com slash doomquasar and at youtube.com slash polygon. Uh, if you like the show, please do review and rate it on Apple Podcasts because that is super helpful. And, of course, tell a friend about it. And look up Christina and Bree at Build and make them buy you a drink, especially we if you're totally wearing a rocket shirt. If you're wearing a rocket shirt, we'll get two. But if, you, if you're if you just there and you say, I listen to Rocket, honestly, like I don't even need you to wear a shirt. Also, we need to get new shirts made. So Yeah, we do. Um, but, but, but yeah, but yeah, if, if you're there and like, I, I can't speak for Brie and I know she's trying to raise money. So, you know, she's not going to be, but Christina will definitely buy people <laughs> drinks. Absolutely, Christina will buy you all kinds of drinks. Wait, I'll tell are you what, kidding I me? It's, it's, it's my company's we, conference. Absolutely. <laughs> we will come jump in my rental car and then we'll drive to Christina's apartment and we'll TP her apartment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We'll just be out there with toilet paper rolls, just rocket people, TP and Christine. I Christine's prefer house. that. That's better. Yep. Thanks, everyone, like for it. listening. I like it. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.